Uh, so this morning is, uh, is Palm Sunday. We can get that there. There we go. Whoops. Oh, hey, man, we're going to sing again. <laughs> there we go, Palm Sunday. <laughs> so um, Palm Sunday is kind of an interesting Sunday. Uh, I like it a lot. It's this Sunday and next Sunday, which is Easter. Both of these are kind of holy party Sundays. Uh, and we just believe in celebrating Christ and the resurrection and all that he's done. Amen. So, but this one's kind of interesting. Have you ever been in a place where, you know, you heard about something and you just had to see it for yourself? Like maybe you'd heard about a new band when you were a teenager and you just had to go see it. Or, or maybe, um, you know, something came into town. Like, like for me, like when King Tut came to town, you know, the display, I just, I had to see it because... Archaeology and all that kind of stuff is just, just really interesting to me, you know. Uh, or something like, how many of you have had like something you just had to go see it at some point in your life? Yeah, I think most of us have had that. Um, and so imagine this, because our story starts out in a different place than most people think. Uh, imagine this, if, if you had someone you knew and you loved and you cared for, and, and they passed into eternity, and you went to the funeral, okay? And then later you heard that they were alive, it would be like, okay, I got to see that. That I got I to gotta see, right? And, and that's kind of the story here. It, 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 really the story, if you look at John, uh, John's account of the triumphal entry, it's in all four Gospels. Uh, it, it starts out talking about people were actually buzzing about Lazarus, not Jesus. The buzz in Jerusalem was that Lazarus had been dead and was alive. And this was a big deal because Lazarus was probably really well known from what we can tell. And a lot of people would have come to the funeral. They would have had to rent out the big church in order to have the funeral, you know. And, and uh, they, they would see him actually put in there and it would be days. And, and so there, there's a little controversy because Jesus, you know, one of the best friends, didn't show up for the funeral. So you know how that goes. And, and then as the story goes, you know, then, then Jesus came and, and raised Lazarus from the dead. And so like everybody's got, I know the guy was dead. I saw the guy. He was dead, 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 dead. And, and now he's alive, you know? And so if that were to happen, you all would, you know, beat a path to the door uh, to see this guy because, man, have we got a, a lot of uh, questions for him in all of that. And so here we go, children. If you're, if you're following along and you want to write something down, here's the first thing. The first thing is my thing doesn't want to work today. Let me do this again here. Oh, there we go. Who did Jesus raise from the dead? Just children. Lazarus. I heard it over here. Who said Lazarus? There it is right there. Lazarus. So you can write down on your thing, Lazarus. Uh, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so there's an interesting thing going on in this moment with this kind of getting everybody's attention through raising people from the dead. Because raising people from the dead is a pretty big deal. You're all like, yeah, you know, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's a really big, so you got to remember in the ancient world, people did miracles all, the, miracles all the time, right? They had magicians that would do stuff, and so, and there were, there were some miracles that, that were pretty, they had to do the thing where it looked like, you know, they'd healed somebody or that kind of thing, and most, that was all fakes for the most part. And Jesus had done some of those miracles that people could reproduce, but there were some miracles you just couldn't do. There was just, they just didn't, didn't know how to do them. One of them was walking on the water. It's why that, that miracle is so important because you just couldn't do that. But, but probably the hardest miracle in the world to fake is raising the dead, right? Because after three days, they are like really, really dead. And you, you just can't fake that. And so the fact that, that, that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, that really kind of stirred uh, things up. And so 
So understand it's Passover in Jerusalem, which means like everybody in the world, everybody wants to be in Jerusalem for Passover. Jerusalem is now packed. So many people are like up close and personal that it's flowing out and people are sleeping out in the tents. You know, they got their RVs out there and their pop-ups and, you know, pup tents and the whole thing. They're out all over around. They're just in back into the other cities, Bethphage and, and some of those places. Uh, and so the, the, the city is really ripe for something to happen and for, for rumors to take off and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and then this, this rumor begins to start about Lazarus, and it just goes like everywhere. Did you hear? Lazarus was dead. Now he's alive. And oh, I don't believe it. we got to go see. And so people are, are talking about that. And it didn't take them very long before you go from someone who's dead is now alive before you start asking the question, well, who raised him, right? Who did that? That's the next question. And, of course, the answer is Jesus. So then, then the whole interest in Jesus goes up because at this point, Jesus is just kind of a, a prophet, a traveling. He's done some miracles they've heard about, you know, some things. He's done some teaching. He confronted the religious leaders, so that made him kind of popular because religious leaders were not popular, uh, you know. But, but he was just kind of one of those guys. And now, now they have a verifiable thing. Lazarus was dead, and now Lazarus is alive. And if that's true, that means a whole bunch of stuff uh, about Jesus. And so you can, you can feel the tension kind of building in this. You know, what if, what if this guy Jesus, what if he's not a prophet? What if he is the Messiah? And everything started to line up. The Messiah was supposed to reveal himself at Passover and his Passover. The Messiah was supposed to do things that nobody else could do, like raising the dead. And now it looks like he's, he's raised the dead. What if this is the year? What if this is the time? Can you imagine what it is? They have been waiting from the very beginning for the, the promise that began in Genesis when we fell. That goes down into Abraham and the years of slavery and delivery from Moses, with Moses and, and all through the years in the desert and, and the struggle and now the, the boot of Rome is on their neck and they're under oppression and they are looking for a savior. What if it's now? I want you to get a sense of that, of expectation that's going on. What if the savior of the world is here? This one who did this amazing sort of thing, who, who raises the dead, who makes the blind to see, who makes the the lame to dance, who, who uh, cures the lepers and brings them back in, who, who gets tax collectors to give their money away. Now there's maybe the biggest miracle of all. And so there was this expectation of something that was going to happen. And so if the, 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 at the essence of the heart of Palm Sunday uh, is this truth. Palm Sunday reminds us that if we have Jesus, we always have hope. Even, yeah, you can give the Lord a hand on that. That's, a good, that's good news for us. You know? And, and here's the really cool thing. Even if you're dead, you have hope. Because our God raises the dead. He's not intimidated by anything at all. In fact, that's really kind of the message here. No matter what you are facing this morning, hear me, church, no matter what you are facing this morning, you have hope. Because Jesus Christ is our hope and our, our Savior. There is nothing facing you that is too difficult for God. In fact, there is nothing that you have ever faced in your entire life that even impresses God. He's like, well, I've you know, done that a billion times, so what, you know? I mean, you're, you, you have not surprised God. You know, one of the things I like to say, has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? Amen. Never been surprised by anything. And so, so you, when we have Christ, we have hope. Uh, and, and, and the good news is no one can take Christ away from you. We rest in, in that. And so uh, let's look this morning at our, um, in the Bible, Matthew chapter 21. 
verses 7 uh, through uh, 11. Um, and so I want to I kind of set up the story, and then we'll kind of walk through it. Uh, what's going on is, again, Jesus is having to sleep outside the city because it's packed. It's morning, and he's going to go into the city, and typically they would walk in. He was up by the Mount of Olives somewhere, we think, Bethphage and the Mount of Olives. And at some point, he says to his disciples, hey, I've made arrangements. I want you to go into Jerusalem and go to this place, and there's a donkey there. Untie it and bring it to me. And he could read their thoughts, and they're like, yeah, we're going to get a and he said, no, 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 just tell them that your master needs it and, and uh, they'll, they'll let you have it, which is kind of a strange story to me. I mean, if somebody showed up and was pulling your car out of the parking lot and said, hey, the master needs the car, how many of you are going to let him go? You know? Not me, I'm calling the cops, you know, I've had a car stolen, in fact. And so uh, they, they go do that, and sure enough, a guy shows up and says, whoa, 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 what are you doing with my donkey? And they tell him, and he lets them go. So we're assuming Jesus had some sort of uh, conversation uh, with them there. And all of that is done to fulfill prophecy. Christ has become very aware of fulfilling the prophecy, of checking off all the boxes that reveal that he's the Messiah. So uh, beginning with verse 7, um, it says this. Okay. There we go. I think I'm just going to ask you to, to bring them up. Uh, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. So they've, they've taken off their coats. They put it on the donkey. They put Jesus on, on, on the donkey. And so next slide for the children. Um, what animal did Jesus ride into Jerusalem? A child's voice? Donkey, yes. Very good. A donkey. How many of you have ever had a donkey? Anybody ever had a donkey? Some of you have had, had donkeys. Uh, well, I've only had a couple of experiences with them when the neighbors had one. Um, only animal I've met that's more stubborn than me. So um, a donkey is, is that, okay? And so, um, so then uh, the, the party begins. They begin moving towards Jerusalem and all of that. Next slide. Uh, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Now, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead and the, him and those that followed, okay? So a couple of things here. It's a very large crowd. It's a big crowd, and it is a small trail. And so what you have here is that they, they, they've got people in front and people in back. Uh, and, and so what, what's going on is probably the, the rumor has gotten around that, that Lazarus is coming. That's kind of the way Joshua talked. Hey, we want to see the dead guy, you know. And nowadays we think, does he look like a, you know, a zombie or what does he look like? I don't know. But, but they want to go see that. And then they hear that the guy that raised him from the dead, Jesus, who might be the Messiah, he's coming too. So now everybody's like, okay, we got we to gotta see this, right? And what I think happened is the guy that, that, that let him have the donkey, I think he told somebody. I think he let it out of the bag. He said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but that Jesus guy who raised Lazarus, he's coming riding into town, and he's riding into town on a donkey. Now, for you, that doesn't mean a whole lot. It's like, was he tired? What's the deal? But in, for ancient Jews, they understood that one that would ride into town, a king that would ride into town on a donkey, was a peaceable king who had come to a place. If a king had conquered the place, he would ride in on a, on a giant steed with all of his power and he'd have his army following him. And actually, some of them would go in front of him that would bear, bear flags. And so there's some real understanding of how this goes. And if they come in as the peaceable king, then they come in on a donkey that's lowly and, and, and humble. And so you can get that person going, wait, 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 wait. This, this guy that might be the Messiah is coming riding on a donkey? Yeah, ooh, could be the Messiah. So they tell somebody, and they tell somebody, and they tell somebody, and it just like goes all over Jerusalem. And this is really amazing because this is before we had like text messaging and Facebook, and still everybody heard, managed to get it there, right? So they've all heard about this. And so people are starting to go, oh man, we got to see this. That's why I asked you, have you ever had like, I got to see something? And if you're a first century Jew, 
And the guy who was raised from the dead and the guy who raised him from the dead is coming. And he's coming on a donkey riding into Jerusalem. That is something you have to see. This is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. The Messiah is here. And so you can just see people... They're closing up shop, you know, and, and gathering up the kids. Hey, Martha, grab the baby. Come on. we got to go. We've we got to see this, you know. You, you put one on your shoulders so that they can see over the crowd. And you, you drag the kids along, and they're, you know, the one that didn't get their naps. Like, oh, you know. It would have been like that. You know that, right? It doesn't all get perfect just because of the Jesus thing. So. And so they, they get there, you know, and there's a giant crowd. And, and people are, are putting their cloaks down because in the ancient world, if you were really important, your feet weren't supposed to touch the ground. That's why slaves didn't have shoes and important people did have shoes, you know. And, and if you were really, really, really important in a ceremony, then not even the animal you were riding on was supposed to touch the ground. It's a way of honoring and respect and that sort of thing. And so people are putting their cloaks on the ground, and, and pretty soon they've run out of all, their, all, all of their cloaks and all of that. And, and so someone kind of looks around and says, Hey, look, there's all these really cool palm trees around here. Imagine what it was like for the people who were next to the path. We used to have a good palm tree, then Jesus came, you know. So they start whacking these things down, and they start grabbing them. This is a sign of the Messiah as well. And they start putting those down, and pretty soon it's covered. And then they're, then they're just holding on to them. They're, they're waving them. It draws a, a attention to them and, and in the midst of that. And, and so uh, as they're doing this, it records it. Like I said, there's a group before, and there's a group after. And, and, and this is where my imagination gets going a little bit because it doesn't tell us a lot about that, but I doesn't, don't think it takes a terrible lot to kind of figure out what was going on. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know who was in that crowd, but we know it was the followers of Jesus. And I have to tell you, if I was someone who was blind and made to see or crippled and made to dance or a leper that was embraced or a tax collector whose life was changed, I would be in that parade. Amen. When Jesus changes your life, you want to be in the parade. You want to be in the parade. So imagine they're, they got, they're lined up along the way. Jesus is coming. Lazarus is coming. And, and you know how you look down, at, down there to see when they're going to come. And the kids are antsy and all of that. And, and pretty soon you begin to hear it probably before you could see it because it says they were, they were singing and they were praising God in the midst of all of that. And they, they began to come down. And, and as they become down, come down the middle of it, you know who I think was leading the, leading the group, dancing at the very front? I think the people that had been lame and Jesus had healed were dancing as they, they brought Jesus into Jerusalem. Don't you think so? Man, if I'd been lame and I'd been healed, and in that world when you were lame, it was really, really bad, and God had healed me, I would dance before the Lord. It'd be ugly, but I'd dance before the Lord, okay? I just don't have that kind of rhythm, you know? And, and so they, 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 I, I think it began with, then they're going like, hey, wait, wasn't that guy lame? Hey, I, I remember that guy, he used to beg because he couldn't walk, but he's a pretty good dancer now, you know? He's kind of got it, kind of going on there, you know? I think as that crowd kind of moved through, I think you'd finally see where Jesus was and the, the donkey. And, and we don't know who was leading the donkey, but I, I, I think that it was probably somebody who was blind and Jesus healed them. And let me tell you, if you're taking a donkey down a mountain trail, you do not let a blind person lead the donkey. But you might let a formerly blind person lead the donkey. I imagine everybody who had been cured of, of, of blindness was going, see, see, we can see, everybody see, look, 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 you know. Wouldn't you do that? And be, behind that, the crowd that's after that, again, we don't really know for sure who they are. But I, I think it was probably the lepers because they had been cured from their, their leprosy. And if you're a leper, you have to ring a bell and say, unclean, unclean, and keep people away from you. You can't touch anybody, including your family. And now they've been made clean. I, I suspect that they were, they were wearing giant T-shirts that said, free hugs. And they're like, come on, come on, come on, you know. 
the hug brigade. I would not be in that crowd. But <laughs> I think after that, maybe, maybe it was the tax collectors giving away money. Zacchaeus is like, I haven't given enough money away yet. Can we, hey, come here, come here, dude. Hey, you know, somewhere in there was Lazarus, he who was dead and was now alive. Uh, somewhere in there, somebody figures out if this man can raise the dead and make the blind to see and the lame to dance and heal the lepers, make tax collectors give away money, maybe this is the Messiah. And I don't know how it happened, but I suspect it just slipped out with someone who said, Hosanna, because that's what you said to the Messiah, Hosanna. And someone next to him goes, yeah, Hosanna, 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 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, pick it up, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the In fact, the scripture does it like this. Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Really? <laughs> I mean, this is the king of kings and the Lord of lords just come to earth and dwell and we're revealing him as the king of kings. Okay, let me try this again. Well, no, no we'll do it this way. How about this? Hosanna. Okay, children, make the parents around you pick up their palm branches because some of them are slacking, okay? Let's try it again. Hosanna. Yeah, and you know what's really cool about this? The word Hosanna, it means save us. And so here are these people who are under oppression from Rome, who, who are struggling with all the things that have happened to them, who, who live in poverty, who, who live under the rule of religious leaders that are corrupt, and they are saying, Hosanna, save us. Okay, children, what does Hosanna mean? Child's voice. Save us. Yes, very good in all of that. Save us. And in fact, here's the interesting thing. Hosanna is save us to the son of David and blessed. You will remember I've told you before. In Greek, the word blessed has the same root as the word grace. Grace. Hosanna, save us, son of David. Blessed, you are grace that has come to us in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Do you get this, how important this was? Salvation has arrived on earth. And they were caught up in the moment. The Messiah, Messiah has come and everything is going to be okay. In fact, if I could wrap Palm Sunday up, I would wrap it up in, by saying this. God is about to do something big. Yeah. Really, really, really big. Way bigger than, than, than what they thought. And it was a reminder that, that, that we are not left to our own devices, that God is interfering in our lives for our good. Amen? Amen? Aren't you glad God interferes in your life for good? I'm so thankful for that. In fact, God is always about to do something big. There's always more that's going on than you can see and that you can understand. I, I sometimes think of God like an iceberg. You know, if you've seen the pictures of the iceberg, you got the little thing on top and a whole bunch more going on in the bottom. God, God is working in your lives in ways you don't see and in ways you don't understand. And just because you don't see it and you don't understand it doesn't mean God isn't working. Amen? Hosanna, save us, blessed, full of grace, be the one that, that comes to us. And so here's what I know that I know that I know that Palm Sunday teaches us, uh, and that is this. Jesus' people are people of hope. We have hope because we have Jesus. Okay, uh, next slide here. Uh, children, Jesus gives us what? Hope. Oh, man, we got a whole choir over there somewhere. That's good. Okay, Jesus gives us hope. Where, in fact, where Jesus is, there is always hope because Jesus is the hope of the world. 
Oh, no, now you got to say it. That's just not good enough. Let's say Jesus is the hope of the world together, okay? Jesus is the hope of the world, and Palm Sunday is all about hope. The king has come. We celebrate him as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And then, uh, next slide. Uh, God is always doing something way bigger than our expectations. See, uh, this is where this sermon gets a little more personal. I'm going I'm to kind of give up preaching and go to meddling for a minute here. So just strap in. Um, the truth of the matter is for us, we really only see the tiny thing in front of us. And, and we tend to pray prayers like that. Lord, if you could just... And most of you know, last week I told you I have cancer. And the temptation is to pray, Lord, heal me. Right? But what if the Lord wants to do something more than that? What if my suffering and my struggle is meant to bring others to the kingdom? What if God is doing more than simply a person that has a cancer cell in his life? What if God has a bigger agenda and I hope and I pray and I believe that I'm going to get through this okay. The prognosis is good. And I believe that one day I'm going to get a big retirement party here. <laughs> but what if in the meantime God has an agenda that goes beyond me? Because sometimes we get so focused. The same thing was true for the Jews of that time. Did you know that they believed in three messiahs? Not just one. We only talk about one. They believed in three, and actually, the, the, the first one was, was a, a military messiah. They believed that there was a, a messiah that was going to come and conquer Rome and put those guys down and, and, and get your foot on their neck, and, and they were going to be taken care of in Jerusalem, and the Jews would, would be the conquering heroes in all of this. And that Roman soldier that keeps making you walk a mile every day, you can get it. I'm going to get back at him, I'm telling you. That was the first messiah. Can I, can I just... Military will never save us. I am thankful for our military, but it is not their job to bring the kingdom of God to earth. The second one was a political Messiah. They believed that there was a Messiah that would come and he would rule over the nations and rule over Israel and rule over, the, 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 over Jerusalem and that the, the, the Jews would be on top, that they would be the supreme rulers of, of, of all the earth. That sounds like a pretty good Messiah to me. I want to be in charge. Oh, like you guys don't want to be in charge too, you know. I, can, I, can I, and I'm going to meddle again a little bit here. Politicians are never going to save us, and I don't care which party you're in. Politicians are never going to save us. There was a, the third Messiah, and this was probably the least, the least uh, popular one, and that was a spiritual Messiah. They had pretty low expectations uh, about that. Maybe he would make, you know, the offerings better and the, and the, the sacrifices better, but, but that, that was kind of where it If you really wanted to believe in Messiah, you believed in a military Messiah or a political Messiah or both. And yet Jesus knew better than that. In fact, uh, next slide. Um, earthly kingdoms will never save us, so Jesus established a spiritual kingdom. See, earthly kingdoms are about changing us from the outside in, but changing us from the outside in never works because we're the same on the inside. And if you threaten me enough, I'll do what you say, but that doesn't mean my heart is in that place. And Jesus knew if there was ever to be hope for the world, we had to be changed from the inside out. And so he came to establish that kingdom. And so when it says they all praised him for what he was doing, they had no idea that he was going to do something way bigger than what they thought, way bigger than a military messiah, way bigger than a political messiah. He would come with a spiritual kingdom that could never end. 
and change our hearts, to write the law of God on our hearts, not on tablets. That is to make us want to do the right thing, to want to be in relationship with Christ, to want to follow what God has for us because of who we are. And I'm going to meddle a little bit more for a minute here because, you see, I think it is so easy for us to do the second sin. That is, you know, the first sin was Adam and Eve disobeyed God and the second sin was that woman you gave me, it was her fault, she did it. Blame. And we have been very good at blame ever since, right? Uh, More you should say amen right there, okay, because I know you, okay? We've been really good at blame, amen? Amen. Amen. We we just do that. And so the spiritual kingdom was not what they wanted. That was the change from the inside. And so here's what I believe. I believe, next slide, that Jesus came to save us from ourselves in so many ways. So easy to blame everybody else for my stuff. And yet, it's the internal part that's important. They're lifting their hands, singing, you know, to him, save us, save us, save us. But what they had in mind is save us from Rome. Save us from our corrupt political leaders. Save us from this, save us from that. And he said, I want to save you from yourself. They're like, oh, no, we don't need to be saved from ourselves. We got this. And so the interesting thing in this is this is in some ways a sad story for us. Because in those minutes, those moments, where they raised their hands and said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In less than a week, those hands turned to fists and said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. We don't do very well when God disappoints us and God doesn't do it our way. In fact, sometimes we just outright reject. Let me get the last verse of this passage. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowd answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Not Messiah, prophet. They, they, they didn't get it. It, it got in, in the way. They, they didn't do what he wanted them to do, and, and so they struggled with it, and, and it was hard for them. And in fact, their, their religion kind of got in, in the way for them. In fact, let, let me ask you this point real quickly. Where do you need Jesus to save you from yourself? Maybe it's your religion. Maybe you're so caught up in the religion that it's, it's got to be this way and it's exactly like this and, and if God doesn't behave that way then, then God's not right. Or maybe it's a foothold. That Maybe there's a bitterness or unforgiveness or anger in your life and it's festering and you know it and it's, it's like... Or maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's self-righteousness. I like being right. And sometimes God says, I'm, well, wrong. Maybe, maybe it's saying no to God where you know you need to say yes to God. Maybe, maybe it's idolatry, putting something ahead of God. You know, whether, maybe, maybe you put money ahead of God, or maybe you put possessions ahead of God, or maybe you put power and prestige ahead of God, or, or maybe you put people ahead of God, or, and now I'm going to really go up and I'm going to meddle. Or maybe you get your values from your political party rather than the kingdom of God. And I'm talking to both parties right there. Not very many amens right there. Can I tell you there's increasing concern in the clergy in America that political parties have more influence over values than the body of Christ does. And not, not amongst people who are unbelievers, but amongst people who are believers. And so I don't, I don't know, but I know that there's probably some place where you need to say, come and save me. And so I would challenge you this morning on this Palm Sunday when we talk about the one who is the Savior of the world. Next, next slide. 
Let Jesus do his work in your life. And let the children, let Jesus come in to your heart this morning. And so uh, if our musicians would come, we got some baptisms that we're going to do together. And this is a time to remember what, what God has done. But let's begin, let's begin by letting Christ come into our hearts again. One of the things the church does is says, remember your baptism. Next slide. Um, and so I want you to pray Hosanna. Save us. Except stop praying, save us from all that stuff that's out there and start praying, save me from myself. Save me from that attitude. Save me from that self-righteousness. Save me from that, you fill in the blank, I'm guessing you know what I'm talking about because the Spirit spoke to you when I said, what's the thing? And so as we sing, we're going to have some pictures of some of our past baptisms and we're going to get ready uh, to do a baptism together. And I invite you to search your heart. And then when they are done singing, we are going to do baptism. So get this out. And baptism is the sign and the seal and the symbol of new life in Christ. And so when they go down, they go down, they die to self, and they are risen to Christ. We reenact resurrection down and up. And when they come up, I want you to holy party like someone you love has just been raised from the dead. Right? You make noise, make lots of noise. Hosanna, whatever you want to do, but you celebrate because that's exactly what we are celebrating. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ made known in us. Amen? Now, not everybody can, is, some people are afraid of water and some people have other reasons, but so uh, we celebrate baptism both in, in uh, immersion and in sprinkling and pouring, and we have a pouring, and pouring is just the same because it's not the water that does the work, it's the spirit, amen? amen? So when I get that last drop poured over that person, you are going to celebrate at that one as well, amen? Amen. amen. So let's, uh, let's worship in song and then we'll move into baptism together.